0: So this morning, we're going to go ahead and continue on in our series of who we are as a church, talking about the culture, the identity of who we are. And how many of know that your culture and your identity, that's the stuff that you do without thinking about it, right? That's not the stuff that you have to get up in the morning and remind yourself about it. Your culture, who you are, shows up every day without even thinking about it. It's kind of like breathing. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now obviously God was speaking to the Jewish people at this time, but this principle holds true to even us today. If we go ahead and humble ourselves and pray, what does that mean? Stop relying on yourself, and start talking to God. Rely on him, and he's going to take care of you. And with that in mind, that's why we're talking today, that we're a people who pray. That's the identity of who we are, the culture of our church. Because how many of you know that relationship is important? And you can't have a relationship without communication. If you want to have a relationship with God, the first thing you have to do is talk to him. Because if you don't talk to him, then you don't have a relationship. And when you do talk to him, God is going to speak to you. He'll speak to you through his word. I'm going to that God speaks to each and every one of us through his word every time that you read it. He's also going to speak to you through the voice in your head. You know that, that voice that you hear that sounds kind of like you in your head? Sometimes that's God speaking to you. And I'm going to tell you today how you know if that's God or if that's just you. And then finally, God will speak to you through the leaders, your spiritual leaders, And on very rare occasion, although it's never happened to me personally, God will speak audibly to you. I've known people who he has. He's not done it to me. But the thing is, is that God speaks to me in, in, in my own voice all the time. And I give you a sneak peek. The reason the way you can know if it's God and not yourself is if it aligns with the word of God. If it doesn't align with the word of God, then it's not, then it's not God. If it aligns with the word of God, then God's speaking to you. And if you've ever wondered yourself, man... I know God wants me to do something, but I don't know what it is he wants me to do. Anybody ever had that feeling? What is it that God wants me to do? You want to know how you get that, that answer? You ask God about it. If you begin to talk to God and ask or he'll begin to speak to you. If you don't know what God wants you to do, have you even spent the time to talk to him about it? Because the reality is that if we want to be successful as Christians, and also if we want to be successful as a church, we're going to have to take some time and pray. You know every morning at at 9 a.m. Sunday mornings we have a prayer meeting in there, and we only ever have a handful of people in there, and I wonder if it's, am I not doing a good job letting everyone know the importance of prayer, how important it really is that we get together and pray as a church. It's important that you pray alone, it's important that you pray as a family, but it's also important that we pray as a church and we have a time set aside for that, and I would just encourage you to come be a part of that, amen? Amen. So let's take a look at it. The first thing that I want to talk about today is we are talking about being a people of prayer. In Colossians 4 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. How many of the prayers not just a good idea, but it's actually a command from God? We are commanded to pray. He says right here, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And then Paul goes on to the point and says that not only are we to, to pray, but we're to continue steadfast, steadfastly in prayer. He says it another way in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He says, pray without ceasing. That's always been an interesting phrase to me, pray without ceasing, because that seems like almost an impossible task, right? Because if I was praying without ceasing, how could I be preaching to you right now? seems like that those two can't work together so what did he mean when he says pray without ceasing And i believe this is being in an attitude of prayer at all times so are you always in an attitude of prayer one of the ways that this would look like is is when something good happens to you say you get a promotion at work what is your first inclination do you immediately thank god I think if you're in an attitude of prayer, you begin speaking to God. I mean, he's the first person that you tell and you thank him for it. I think being in an attitude of prayer means that it, at any moment, a drop of a hatch, you you are in prayer. It's not something that you have to think about or focus about. It's something that happens naturally because you're always in that attitude. That's how we pray without ceasing. And I think for 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 so many of us uh, uh, and when I say us, I don't mean us the 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 church right here i mean us christians as prayer is is a is a is a backdrop it's an afterthought unless that applies to you then i'm talking to you but if it is (laughs) but prayer is to become is is an afterthought instead of something that just comes naturally like we 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 wake up the next morning go oh man i didn't pray at all yesterday or i didn't pray at all last week when it should be as natural as breathing when you wake up you begin to pray you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep? That's a great time to, prayer, to pray. It might even be that God woke you up because he needed to talk to you. Don't ignore him. But we have to do this steadfastly. And did you know that this isn't the only place in the New Testament that prayer is commanded to us? 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul says this, I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling, You find it in the Old Testament as well, 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Once again, not only are we commanded to seek his presence, but to do it continually. This is something that happens over and over. We should always be in an attitude of prayer and always at a place where at a drop of a hat we're talking to God. It should be conversation within our day. I don't remember who the preacher was that said it, but somebody asked him, how how long do you pray? And he goes, man, I don't think I ever pray for more than 15 minutes. He says, but I also don't think I ever go 15 minutes without prayer. There's a difference. So so maybe you don't need to get up in the morning and spend two hours in prayer. Now, if you do, don't stop. That's a good thing. But how about you just make sure you're praying at all the times throughout the day? You almost get in a car accident, begin to thank God that he kept you safe. Immediately begin to pray to God and thank him. Something good happens, pray. You're bored, pray. I think that's the, the probably the worst time that we don't pray, right? We, it's easy to pray when things are going good because you're thanking God, and it's easy to pray when things are going bad because you need his help. But what about when things are just going? That's a good time to pray as well, Amen. Prayer is such an important part of being a Christian because you can't have a relationship without communication. All Christians that are like to say, oh, we're not part of a religion, we're part of a relationship, but they don't talk to God ever. <laughs> are you really part of a relationship? Or have you just made out of a religion out of saying it's a relationship? I just know this, that if I never spoke to my wife, our relationship would fall apart pretty quickly. If I never spoke to my kids, we wouldn't have a relationship. If I never spoke to my parents, we'd never have a relationship. If I never spoke to any of you guys, we would never have a relationship. The truth is, is that we have to communicate to have relationships, and that's what this is true with God as well. And that's why it's so important as Christians that we pray. And we're commanded to pray, and not only are we commanded, but we're, we're commanded to keep in constant communication with Him, in constant prayer, steadfastly, continually, because it's instrumental to having a relationship with Him. And then we also have Jesus who sets an example for us in prayer. In Luke twenty-two thirty-nine 39-42, it says, "...He came out and went, as was His custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed Him, and when He came to the place, He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation." And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I always found this interesting because Jesus is setting the example for us about prayer. Now take a moment to think about who this is. This is Jesus. God incarnate is still taking time to pray. If Jesus needs to pray (laughs) to the Father... How egotistical do we think are we if we think we don't need to? I mean, what are we trying to say about ourselves? Well, Jesus maybe need the Father's help, but me, I got this. If Jesus needed to pray, then we certainly need to as well. But I want you to notice something else about this, too. This wasn't a one-off thing. This wasn't because he was about to go and, and, and he was making his way to the cross and he was starting to, to, to be concerned about it. It wasn't like his things were getting bad. He, began to, he just began to pray. But what does it say? This was his custom. This was his culture. This was who he was. He prayed to the Father. And that's what our culture needs to be. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That tells me that it was Paul's custom to pray because he imitated Christ and it was his custom to pray. And we should be imitating Paul. Or you can even skip the middleman, imitate Christ. But make it your custom to pray. Amen. In James 4, 1 through 3, we find out that it turns out that some of the problems that we have is because we're not actually praying. James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that you, your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Many people go without because they don't ever ask God for what they need. We should be asking God for provision in our life. You know, it's kind of a weird dichotomy because one hand it's God says that, listen, even the Gentiles, you know, you talk about food and clothing, even the Gentiles need these things. God knows that you need them. But it doesn't say just because he knows that you need them that we shouldn't be praying for them. Because right here he says that the reason why you don't have is because you don't pray. Well, what's happening here is is people are going without. I don't know how bad it was, but maybe they didn't have enough food, they didn't have clothing or shelter, but because of what they didn't have, They were fighting and taking it from others. It's like, listen, why are you fighting over this stuff? Don't you know that my God's a good God? Don't you know that my God has more than enough? Why don't you just ask him? If we ask, then God will make sure that we have. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be rich. Some people would kill to be rich. So many people it has but God will always make sure that you have more than enough. So if you don't have it, spend time asking. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about most things. No, that's not what it says. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The reality is is that we should be trusting God for everything in our life. Some of you guys have heard this story. But for so many years, when after I married Michelle, if Michelle needed to know something, she would ask me something and I would tell her. And then she would go call her dad to make sure. <laughs> she wanted to know about taxes. She wanted to know about the government. She wanted to know how to fix something. She wanted anything. It could be anything. This is how you do it, babe. She's like, okay, but I'm going to call my dad. If she needed to know, to, she would call her dad. It used to drive me batty. I'm like, listen, every single time you've called him, he's just said the same thing I did. Like, what's the problem here? But still, probably a decade she would call him. But here's the thing. The reality was when she needed something, her first thought was to call her dad. When you need something, is your first thought to reach out to the father? Because it should be. When we're in trouble, who do we call first? Are we trusting in our jobs to get us out of it? You're not not having enough money, so you begin to to trust in your job to take care of it, or do you trust in God? Our retirement funds? The government? Heaven forbid you're trusting in the government still. Or do you trust your spouse? Our first call in every area should be the Lord, and he will take care of you, amen? Amen. And then it says, if you ask, you will receive if according to the will of God. It says the reason why some of you, you do ask, but you don't receive because you ask wrongly. It's, it's all about you to spend on your passions. You're not asking in accordance with the word of God. First John 5, 14 through 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of him. So there's some, some uh, things that you need to know if you want to receive from God. One, you need to ask. Two, it needs to be in accordance with his will. And the quick test for that is, is it in line with scripture or is it not? Right? So look at it this way. If you're asking God, you're looking. You look across the way, and you and you know you're a young man, and you see the the the, the wife across the way. You're like, man, she's beautiful. I'd like her to be my wife. God, make her my wife. God's not going to answer that prayer. That's not in alignment with the line of word of God. Or what about this one? Man, my coworker is driving me crazy. Father, would you just let them get hit by a bus on the way home tonight? That's not in line with the word of God, right? I'm being silly, but if you ask in alignment with the word of God, you're good to go. What if you ask? God, can you make sure that we have enough food on the table, or that we can have rent so we keep uh, food or the shelter over our head? Those things are in line with the Word of God. As a matter of fact, God don't even be anxious about those things. Ask, you're going to receive. And here's the thing: and we talked about this a little bit at the men's meeting yesterday, but as you walk with God more and more, then your will becomes in alignment with Him. And you'll find that the things that you ask for are in alignment with the Word of God because you're thinking like Him. As you begin to pray and get to know Him better, as you begin to read His Word and get to know Him better, the things that you think, the things that you ask for are going to be in alignment with the Word of God and you're going to see prayers getting answered, amen? Because anything that you ask at that point will be in the will of God. Jesus also had a few things to say about how not to pray, though, as well. There's a few things that we need to consider in Matthew 6, 7, 3, it says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. We need to make sure that our, our prayers aren't empty. We're not just going through the motions. We also need, and this is something I think that, that even seasoned Christians need to understand, is that God is not moved by our many words or, in today's day and age, it's not about many words. It's about how many people I can get to pray with me. There's not some limit where if I can just get five more people to pray with me, then surely God will have to answer. God is not swayed by the amount of people that we have praying. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't ask people to pray with you. You just need to understand why you're asking people to pray with you. If, you're, if, if the idea is that you're going to get enough people to sway God, you've missed the point. The reality is, is we pray together because we want to stand in agreement with one another and with a word about a situation. That's why we ask people to pray, but it's not about how many people we can get to pray. You know, these online email prayer lists, if, if we just get enough people, God will surely hear this person of cancer. That's not how it works. It's not the amount of people that pray. And it's also not this idea of being asked repeatedly over and over and over again either. We should ask once, and then you just thank him for answering at that point from going on. So what does this look like? Say you're asking for, for healing. The first time you say, God, please, uh, thank you, or God, would you just heal me of this headache? We asked him. And then if you still have a headache an hour later, you don't ask him again. You just say, thank you, Father, for healing this headache. You thank him that it's already done. You stand, You believe in faith. You pray in faith. We ask once, and then we just thank him from here on out. You see, Elijah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal for the same thing. 1 Kings eighteen twenty-seven. he says, cry aloud, for he is the God, right? He's trying to get all these, these uh, prophets of Baal to, to pray to their God to get him to answer. And obviously, a false god's not gonna answer. He says, wait a minute, cry aloud, for he is the God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. He's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. Elijah's funny. He's, he's, he's the kind of guy I'd like to meet. Basically, he said, yell at him louder. Maybe he's pooping and he can't hear you. That's what he's saying. But here's the thing is God's not moved by the same words over and over, or praying louder. And he's not moved by the amount of people praying. Like I said, when we, when we pray together, it's about being in agreement. It's not about, being, it's not about having enough people to, to tip God in our favor. Matthew 18 9 says again I say to you if two or you agree on earth about anything they ask it'll be done for them by my father in heaven that's why we ask people to pray with us is to be in agreement with us and then in Matthew 6 5 through 6 Jesus had a lot to say about prayer and how you shouldn't shouldn't do it but in 5 through 6 says when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others truly i say to you they have received their reward but when you pray go into your room shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you prayer is not all, is also not a show we're not trying to prove to people how spiritual we are it doesn't require fancy words it doesn't require eloquence of speech you can talk to God just like you would talk to a friend. Simple language. Every time you pray, you don't have to be all, all, all crazy about it either. One of the things that people always are shocked about me for the first time they hear me do is when I pray for food. They think, oh, the pastor's praying for food. We might as well pull up a chair. It's going to be a while. But I simply say, Father, bless this food. Thank you for it. And we eat. And the reason is, is there's two reasons. One, we're there to bless the food. We're praying for the food. Two, it's not the only time I pray. I don't need to fit in my whole day's worth of prayer at the mealtime. Because I'm praying at other times during the day. And I'm not trying to put on a show. I don't need you guys to know how good of a prayer I am. Because the truth is, is, I'm not that good. I just have a couple secrets up my sleeve. One, I talk to God like he's a friend. It's real simple. Two, I just pray the scriptures. (laughs) Because you know what? If you pray the scriptures, you don't have to be concerned if you're in God's will. Just repeat what the scripture says about prayer. You'll be fine. Prayer, it's not about show, but it's just a normal aspect of our relationship with the Father. But if you're still not sure how to pray, the good news is, is that God teaches us how to pray. In uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, many people have mistakenly thought that, oh, I'm just supposed to say this prayer. That's actually not what this is about. It turns out that, that when they taught in those days, oftentimes they would teach with patterns. And what this prayer is, is a pattern of how you should model your prayer after. And the first request uh, was that God's name be hallowed. Um, the, the word here is actually uh, agiasteto. It's a Greek word um, from the word agiazo, And it's to set apart or to sanctify. Or here it means to treat as holy. That means to treat God's name as holy. The request was that when you pray, that that God's reputation be revered by men. That's why when we pray, we 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 thank Him for being holy. We tell Him that you're 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 holy. You're worthy of our worship. You're you're faithful. We're, 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 we're hallowing His name. We're telling Him that He that He's holy. We're 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 blessing His name when we do those things. The second quest was your your the second request after, um, uh, basically glorifying God in your prayer is to pray that your kingdom come. The, the, the thing is that John the Baptist, Jesus and the 12 and the 72 had been preaching about the coming of God's kingdom. And when a person is praying about the coming of God's kingdom, what he's doing is he's identifying with the message of Jesus and his followers. So that means you should be praying for God's kingdom to come. You should be praying for other people to get saved. You should be praying for people to be touched by God. We're praying for God to move in your community and in your city, in your area around you. The third request here is for daily bread. The idea of this is that you pray for God for, for provision for what you need in your life. Bread is just a general term of, of anything that is nourishing and filling. He's talking about if, if you need something from God, provision, then ask him for it. The fourth request is concerning man's relationship to God, and that's the forgiveness of sins. He says here, uh, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's asking for forgiveness of sins. By asking God for forgiveness of sins, you're expressing your faith in God, that he's going to forgive them. And such a person then actually gives evidence of this faith that he's been forgiven by forgiving others. You see, people that have trouble forgiving others oftentimes have trouble believing that they themselves are forgiven. And that's how it shows in other people. But the truth is, is if you realize, if you recognize how much you've been forgiven, the natural response is to show that same forgiveness to others. It's like that parable that Jesus told of the, of the slave who, who is, as the king came and said, you owe me all this stuff. And he couldn't pay it back. So he got on his knees and he begged the king to forgive him. And the king says, you know what? I'll forgive you of your debt. He had compassion on him. And then he goes back to his other, to the other slaves, another slave owed him money. And he, it was only a small amount, but he said, you know what? You have to pay me back what you owe me. And I wondered, why was it such a big deal that the slave went to the other slave to get that little bit that he was owed when his master had just forgiven him all that debt? It's because he didn't really believe that he was forgiven, that debt. He, was wa- he knew that the next day the master was going to wake up and go, what did I do? You know what, I want my, so he wanted to have something to pay. That's what I believe that the parable is about, is he didn't really believe that he was forgiven, so he wasn't willing to forgive somebody else. We have been forgiven such a great deal and such a great debt that our natural response should be to express that forgiveness to others. The fifth is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a strange prayer. When I read this, it doesn't make sense to me, but it probably has to do with the culture and how we understand things. because why would you have to pray not to be led into temptation if God's not leading you into temptation? So I'm thinking to myself, I'm reading this, and I'm going, well, why would God be tempting us? I mean, it seems like that he would want us to sin if he was tempting us. But really what Jesus is asking his followers to do is to pray that they be delivered from situations that, they would, that would cause them to sin. He's not saying that, that, uh, uh, that God leads you into temptation and you're asking God to stop it. What he's saying is, is that pray that God would deliver you in those situations that you are tempted. His disciples realized that they were easily drawn into sin if they put themselves into a situation where sin came easily. You know, Jesus talked about this earlier, right? He said, listen, if your right hand causes sin, what should you do with it? Cut it off, because it's better that your hand get cut off than your whole body be, be put in hell because you couldn't stop sinning, Right. So what he's saying is don't put yourself in situations and to be delivered from the situations. So an example, to not put yourself in a situation is, is uh, if you're going ahead and, and uh, uh, you were a previously an alcoholic, you probably don't want to be ministering in a, uh, in a bar trying to get people saved, right? That's, that would be dumb, putting yourself in a situation where you could go ahead and put yourself in sin. But what about if you're, you're a previous alcoholic and somebody didn't know and they end up taking you to the bar to minister. The next thing we want to do is ask to be delivered from those situations. So that you can get out of those situations that might put you in a place where you could actually sin. So the point is, is that the 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 disciples are asking, or Jesus is telling his disciples to pray to God for help in living a righteous life. That's what this is about. Help us from being put into situations where we would sin. Deliver us from them. Help us to live a righteous life. So that's what you should be praying for. Mother Teresa once said, I know that God won't give me anything I can't handle, but sometimes I wish he didn't trust me so much. It's kind of a funny statement. It's totally not true. But it's, uh, it is kind of a funny statement. Because the thing is, is that uh, the Bible doesn't ever say that God won't give you anything that you can't handle. Matter of fact, You're going to be put in all kinds of situations you can't handle apart from God. The thing is, is that he will be with you in any situation that you come across. If you were left to your own devices, yeah, you wouldn't be able to handle it. But with God, we can certainly make it through it. And that's what this is about, asking God to give us strength to get away from those times when we're tempted, to be out of those situations. So we're given this pattern. But I want you to know there's another way that you can learn how to pray as well. And that's just to get with other believers that are praying. I talked about the prayer meeting that we have on, on, on uh, Sunday mornings. You want to learn how to pray? we got a, a bunch of people in there. Well, actually, that's a problem. We don't have a bunch. We have a handful of people in there that are seasoned prayer warriors. And you can learn how to from, pray from them. I'm hoping next Sunday there'll be a bunch of people in there. Another thing that I think that we need to ask for, not just provision, is wisdom. And uh, James 1, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously and all to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is, not driven, that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We need to ask God for wisdom in our prayer as well. One of the things that I think is that we need to remember that, well, this is what the Bible says. If any of you you thinks that you're wise, you're actually not wise. Matter of fact, if you think that you're wise, you're probably in a pretty rough shape. So the truth is, is that we need to, one, recognize that we need some wisdom, and then we need to ask God for wisdom. And the great thing about God is that when you ask for wisdom, he doesn't come at you and look at you and go, what? You should know this stuff by now. Why do I have to tell you this? No, it says that if you ask God for wisdom, he gives generously and without reproach. When we ask, then he gives it to us. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked. It's another one of those, I've already said the scripture once today, but I love this idea that if we ask and then he hears us, and we know that he hears us, that we're going to get what we have, what we ask for. But here's the thing, if we are going to ask, we have to ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. We actually receive from our prayer in proportion to our faith. If we have doubt, if we, if we don't trust God, the Bible says that we're unstable. One of the things that uh, people often say, and I'm not, I'm not so sure how I feel about it, if I'm being honest, but everybody ever heard this person that, you know, when we pray, sometimes the answer is no. And I suppose that's true in some cases, but I wonder how many times the answer wasn't no. We just didn't actually believe that God would, would answer our prayer. We actually came to it with doubting. It's so one of the things that um, I've been thinking about a lot and talking about faith and, 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 and many areas of our life. And, and people seem to get really offended when we talk about faith um, because they think, well, if something didn't happen, or I prayed for something to happen, you know, it's really hurtful to think that I don't have enough faith. So I look at my own life and I realize that there are areas in my life that I don't have enough faith. And jesus wasn't afraid to point out to his disciples that they had little faith or they didn't have enough faith when peter was sinking in the water he says why did you start doubting he didn't say you know what it's 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 okay peter it's okay i don't want to offend you so i'm not going to say it wasn't because you had enough faith it was something else but no he called out there was issues with faith when the man was praying for his son who was demon possessed and he says that uh, uh uh he says can you do anything and 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 the Bible says, if you can, Jesus, if you can, you just have to believe. And he says, well, I believe, help my unbelief. I think sometimes we don't receive in our life because we don't actually believe that God will do what he says he's going to do. And this is just me thinking out loud. Maybe I shouldn't on a Sunday morning, I don't know. But I wonder how many times we don't receive in prayers, not because God said no, it's because we didn't actually believe that he could do what we asked him to do. Or we came in with an expectation that I'm going to ask God if he takes care of it, that'll be great, but if not, I'll be okay. And I think that's the doubting. It says here that if we come in doubting, we shouldn't suppose that we'll receive anything from the Lord. And that's kind of a harsh statement, but I didn't write it. We need to come in praying in faith, believing that God will give us what we ask for. God is looking for people who are going to pray in faith. God is looking for people who will pray convinced that God is hearing them and will answer their prayer. That's one of the reasons why I encourage people to stop praying, God will you, and start praying, God thank you that you have. Even changing the words that you say changes how you think about what you're praying for. Begin to pray, believing that you've already received what you've asked for, and the Bible says, "When you ask in faith, it will be given him." But the ones who doubt, that person must not suppose will receive anything from the Lord. I know some of these statements are hard to hear, but the thing is, I think we should be challenged. And like I've said, one of the things that's been really driven home in my life lately is is we have to stop evaluating the Word of God by our experiences, but instead evaluate our experiences by the Word of God and begin to put our trust in Him. Another thing that I think that we need to make sure that we're praying for is not just our own needs, our own provision, but praying for others. In Ephesians 2, 1, 16-21, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Like I said, not only should we be praying for our own needs, but praying for the needs of others as well. We have to be careful not to have this attitude of, I'm gonna, you know, pray for us four and no more. Just praying for your own family, but are we praying for others? When Paul prayed, he prayed for others all the time. You see, in each and every one of his letters, and he teaches us how to pray for others. We look at here, he says, This, I don't cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord God of our that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. And the revelation of knowledge, first he begins to pray that they would have wisdom, that they would have knowledge, that they would have a revelation of Jesus, that they would see clearly, are we praying these things for others? And the truth is, is that I hope that you're praying that for me because I need those things. And I pray those things for you because you need those things, even if you don't think you don't. If you already think you're wise, ask that you be shown that you're not so you can actually become wise, amen? Amen. We live in a fallen world and things are going crazy all around us. We need prayer from others. Last week we learned that we need the power of the Holy Spirit and and we do need that to make it in this world. But I think that we also need prayer from others to make it in this world as well. So make sure that we're praying for one another. And I think that if we will pray for one another, we'll see changes in people's lives. And here's the thing, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I forget. So I would encourage you, get a prayer journal, something to write it down. Monday, I'm praying for Stephen and Norma. Tuesday, I'm praying for George and Hope and Jan. Wednesday, I'm praying for Maria and Blake and Brenda and so on. Write down their names so you don't forget. That's a great way to remember. So that way when you get up, you don't have to write down what you're praying for per se, but just put their name in there. So when you go, oh, it's Monday, I'm praying for so-and-so. And you don't forget because we need each other's prayers. And I think that if we'll do that, we're going to see blessing in our own lives and the lives of others. We're going to see change and growth. And it might even help some of you who think, man, I just don't know what to pray for. Well, now, you know, write down the names of the people in your church. But they didn't ask me for prayer. So pray for them anyway. I don't think anybody was asking Paul for prayer, but he says, listen, I pray for all of you guys. I don't cease to give thanks for you. Oh, that's the other thing. Thank God for these people in your life because they're a blessing to you, amen? Acts 2.42. We see, This about the apostles. They devoted themselves, or the the people, they were being discipled by the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This was the early church, what they looked like. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the word of God, right? They devoted themselves to fellowship and breaking bread. That's why we get together at least uh, once a, a month as a church at the end of the month because we're supposed to be getting together, <laughs> having fellowship, breaking bread together. It's why we have Bible studies throughout the week. You can go to the one on Friday night at Jan's house. We have the ones here at on Wednesday. We're supposed to be getting together. That's why I hope you guys are calling each other during the week and actually having lunch or dinner or whatever together every now because we're supposed to be getting together. It's what the early church did and finally says they were devoted to prayers. As a church, We need to make prayer a priority. That's why we have the corporate prayer on Sunday mornings. As individuals, we need to make prayer a priority. Do whatever you do to have to do that. Like I said, start a prayer journal. Make a list. Begin to realize that you don't have to pray long and hard or with fancy words. I would encourage you to be specific. You know, a prayer that, that one, will severely shorten your prayer time is, Lord, please bless Blake. Amen. Be specific. God answers specific prayers. Do you even know what you're asking for when you ask to just bless somebody? (laughs) Be specific. Write it down. And see what God will do. And then if you run out of things of prayer after that, like we talked about last week, begin to pray in tongues. You'd be surprised at what kind of things will be answered when you didn't even know you were praying for them. Amen. If you're married, pray with your spouse. Here's the thing. When we look at the Word of God, we can't just pick the parts that we like. But we have to to follow all of them. We have to give our everything. And the truth is, is that prayer is such an important part of being a Christian that we cannot disregard it. We can't neglect it. It needs to be a priority in our life. Amen? So church, I would encourage you, make prayer a priority. Do whatever you have to do to remember, to figure it out. Write a list, whatever it is, or make it a priority. And you'll find that as you do it more and more and more, it becomes part of your identity, your culture, and you don't have to think about it anymore. It becomes like breathing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and bow our head.